Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Estella, director of training, kind of all around dude over here at Fieldcraft. We we do a lot. So sometimes I sit here behind this microphone, sometimes I'm out in the field, sometimes I'm stuck behind my computer, sometimes I'm here, there, everywhere. It's what we do. Guys, this podcast is so much fun to do. And I will tell you that it's totally possible because of our good friends over at Black Rifle Coffee. Now, normally I would tell you like, hey, I had Silencer Smooth today or Beyond Black, or I would tell you like the actual coffee that I had, Gunship, you know, is another popular one. I don't even freaking know which one I had today. I just know that I, I came into work. I didn't have my coffee. I was grumpy as all hell. And I just grabbed whatever we had for the Keurig. So I could have had any number of things. I know it was coffee. I know it was Black Rifle because that's all that we drink here. Um, but I couldn't tell you because I think I was in like an altered state of consciousness and possibly half awake, half asleep. Um, quite honestly, I should probably check the road, uh, that I drove in on because I probably could have hit someone and I wouldn't even have known. I'm just kidding about that, but I'm not kidding about black rifle coffee. They do make this podcast possible. They are our number one sponsor our good friends over in Salt Lake city. Really, really looking forward to hanging out with those guys again. Please check them out. Blackriflecoffee.com is their website. Take a look at their ready to drink options. Um, I'm a big fan of those as well. The ready to drink 300, the espressos. They actually have a couple with MCT oils. So if you guys are into, you know, having a fat based diet, not a bad option. Plus that 300 milligrams of caffeine will make you absolutely jittery. It's awesome. <laughs> so check those out. All right, guys, um, this podcast is about to get kicked off. This is the uh, coffee and questions part six. I know. Can you believe it? Part six. So uh, here we go. Coffee and questions, part six. What's up? What's up? What's up, guys? Coffee and questions, part six. Yeah. You know, I've been doing this now for quite some time. I've kind of gotten down to a science. And if you guys are just joining us for part six, I'm going to encourage you to look up coffee and questions, parts one through five. You know, it was a little bit of a rough start. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you go on a first date with someone, you're like, I don't know, how's this going to even be? And, you know, by date two or three, if she hasn't, you know, kicked you to the curb, like you get a little bit more comfortable and you just speak your mind. So uh, that's how I feel right now. Now, I will be completely frank and completely honest with you guys and say that uh, this is going to be the last coffee and questions that I'm going to do for quite some time because I've been podcasting a lot of really interesting folks, um, actually getting other bodies here in the studio to talk to. And even though I enjoy being opinionated and giving you guys my perspective on all your questions related to gear experiences, things like that, I would much rather have someone to interact with, ask them pointed questions, get them going. Now, with that being said, coffee and questions will probably come back later this year. And maybe it will come back in this form, or maybe it will take the form of a different type of media that we do here at Fieldcraft. But realize that I enjoy answering your questions and I value the fact that you guys trust me to respond to your questions and you send them to me. So uh, that's one of the things that we do at Fieldcraft. You know, we're all instructors in one way, shape or form. And I enjoy educating you guys on the different uh, topics that you present to me. So what I'm going to do, uh, because my computer is all screwed up today, and uh, I don't know why. Like, it's just got a frozen screen. I've already hit it a couple times. Uh, maybe Mike should spend some more on our computers that we use and less on his uh, his rally car. No, I'm just kidding. Mike's probably going to kick my ass for that one. 
or you could try. Um, but it will be fun, right? So uh, guys, here we go. Let's get down to this. I'm going to pull these questions up on my phone. These are all questions that were generated by you. I've saved them in a Google Doc, and I will give you my answer. Now, here's the best part. Since this is going to be the last coffee and questions for quite some time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to answer more than I've ever answered before. And there are 50 questions this time, five zero questions. Um, it's going to be a fun time. Here we go. So question number one from Paval24, favorite type of protein? Very simple, fish. Um, I love tuna. I could eat tuna all day. I love tuna pokey. I love tuna um, that's been seared with sesame seeds and sesame oil. Generally, tuna, you want uh, to have it rare as possible. It's the best way. And as far as protein is concerned, the fewer legs, the better, right? Fish, chicken, four-legged animals. Next question, Brett Hodgson. How much everyday carry is too much everyday carry? Uh, well, Brett, here's the deal with everyday carry. Carry what's comfortable for you. And uh, that's going to be very dependent on what you wear and what you do for a living. Um, I tend to carry a lot in my front pockets and my everyday carry really does not change. I mean, you guys can look back a decade ago and I was still carrying the same thing. The only thing that really does change is uh, seasonal, right? So if I'm in the summertime, I'm not really carrying a wool bandana. Um, I tend to, you know, go lighter cotton bandana. If I'm carrying, uh, you know, appendix in the summer, I'm usually wearing a t-shirt. So I might carry something smaller like a SIG 365 or my Glock 19. But you know, in the summer and the uh, fall and in the winter, when I have your, have heavier jackets, I'll go to a full size gun. So like my Glock 17, for example. So, uh, how much is too much? That's really up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to carry or, you know, why you shouldn't carry something, carry what you feel makes you feel comfortable. Um, if you find that you are being weighed down, if you find that you are thinking about it all the time, if you can't get it out of your mind because it's uncomfortable, that's probably too much. Okay. Next question comes from N. Dennison. What's your opinion on rats tourniquet for everyday carry instead of cat or soft tea? Uh, this literally just came up in uh, my SIAC class last night. Um, I teach a twice a week course over at Bernalis Institute of Martial Arts in South Salt Lake City. And uh, we went over all the different tourniquets, everything from the ratcheting medical tourniquet, the, the cat, the rat, the soft tea, the SWAT tea, improvised tourniquets. Um, I'll say this about the rat. It's better than nothing, but realize that it's not going to work in the same way or as easily as a turnbuckle tourniquet. Uh, it requires you to move the extremity if you're self-applying it, say, to your arm. Uh, however, if you need to apply one to a child, right, I know some guys that will advocate that it works great for children. Um, I also know folks that will say that it's great as a backup. Uh, if you can't carry anything else. And there are plenty of nurses out there that can make tourniquets, you know, in the ER out of just a piece of uh, thera TheraBand or, or latex band. So my opinion, it's not my preference, but I'm not going to totally poo-poo it. Just think about if you can carry a better option. All right, next up. All right. From g.f.m97. Should a person living in an urban environment carry a fixed blade or accessible every day? The answer is yes. If you can carry a fixed blade, carry it. Um, folders are really more for utility and not necessarily for defense. Um, now, if you're talking about carrying a fixed blade for utility, yeah, carry that. Um, the reason being, 
and I've said this before, folding knives are pre-broken knives that have been pinned back together. Fixed blade's not going to close on you. Folder may never open, right? Sounds like a great bumper sticker. Next question. This one comes from Classic Cal with two Qs. Your take on med kits that are pre-built versus individually selecting what goes in the kit. A lot of the kits that are out there, and these are from the dollar store kits all the way up to the high-end kits that you can find at you know sporting goods stores. They all need to be modified. Many of them are for boo-boos, not for trauma, or if they are for trauma, they're not for boo-boos, right? If you buy a trauma kit, that's awesome. But if you don't have a simple bandage to address the cut on your finger, well, you don't see the whole medical picture here. Uh, plenty of guys go to the range with trauma kits, but they don't have anything to deal with, uh, you know, injuries to the finger or or anything like that. So uh, another common injury if you're shooting suppressed or burns. So you might want to get some uh, second skin or some burn gel. Um, I would say anything that you get, you need to modify to make it fit your needs. Um, and don't be lured in, by the way, with like clever marketing where someone says like, hey, this kit has 110 items in it. There are probably like 90 bandages in there and 20 items that have questionable utility. So don't simply rely on, oh, it's got 110 components. Probably only need half a dozen of those. Okay. Gabagool underscore Ova underscore here. What's your workout routine like? Um, well, my workout routine right now, uh, it's changed over the years. You know, I'm not one to do real heavy powerlifting like I, I used to screw around with. I mean, at one point I was a barrel trusted dude. Like I enjoyed benching. I enjoyed deadlifting and squatting and all that. And honestly, I mean, it puts a strain on your joints. You know, I'm not exactly a, a spring chicken anymore. I'm in my forties and I'll say that I need to look out for my long-term investment in health. And even though it is cool to say, Hey, I put this up, you know, or, you know, Hey, I, I, I rucked this far. I think it's really important to measure your training with a little bit of practicality and say like, I need to be able to train tomorrow. Um, so my workout routine right now is a mixture. I mean, obviously I'm going to still do, you know, my standard workouts like rucking and whatnot, uh, hiking to just keep my cardio. Um, I'm very interested in flexibility. I, you know, still can do full splits and I can still, uh, you know, contort myself in different ways if I'm grappling. Um, but also flexibility is important just because, I mean, how many times have you heard of someone who stepped off of a curb the wrong way and, and tore something? So I believe in, in joint, uh, conditioning, right. And, and doing things that I can to make sure that the muscles around those joints are strong. Um, so my workout routines varied, but it's not any one in particular. Okay. Hold on. All right. Budweiser bandit zero zero. What can I teach my kids four years and two years about survival and other outdoor skills? Well, the two-year-old is going to be tricky. Here's why their mind isn't necessarily programmed at that point developmentally to learn anything about survival skills. I mean, they are still your responsibility. The four-year-old, four-year-old is definitely going to be able to start communicating with you, but their understanding of the world is going to be in very simple terms, good, bad, right? So what you can teach them is an understanding of the outdoors through those two words, good or bad. Hey, this is good. This is good. Oh, no, no, bad, bad, right? Um, keep the lesson very, very simplified and appropriate for their age level and their development, or else you are going to turn them off and they're not going to be interested at all. All right. 
Big Sky 211, circle hooks over standard for emergency fishing kit. If you guys do not know what circle hooks are, circle hooks are shaped in a manner that when the fish bites or takes the bait and it swims away, the hook will pull out of its gullet and it will attach like 90% of the time on the corner of their lip. Well, circle hooks work great if you're not attending to your fishing lines, but if you are, then you need standard hooks with straight shafts and barbs. Um, take a cue from my little 72 hour challenge I did the last year. Make sure that your hooks have barbs, uh, bait holder hooks will keep your bait on. Um, so I would say you need both. Um, don't worry about the legality of the hooks that you carry. Uh, because chances are, if you're using them in a survival scenario, all the laws are out the window for that reason, carry treble hooks too. Okay. Next question. Let's see where we are a little bit different doing this on my phone than doing it on my computer. Got to scroll through and all that underscore project underscore Thor. The sun is 92 million miles away. The moon, 239,000. What was the lighter cover called? All right. Um, that was the Exotac fire sleeve. Um, I had posted this up on my Instagram story a while back and, uh, the fire sleeve is basically a cover that goes over a Bic lighter. The cool thing about it, you're using an existing lighter that is already proven, very inexpensive, easy to source anywhere you go. You can find them any, anywhere in the world, really. Well, you bring that lighter sleeve with you. If you need to get a new one, you just take the old lighter out, swap it in. It's not like buying a like a fifty or a hundred dollar lighter that requires butane fuel, and you know it's going to get confiscated by TSA. Probably one of the best investments I've had. One that I've you know taken snorkeling by accident, and it's worked out just fine. Um, and I've also run one through a washing machine. They're great. They're inexpensive. Um, by the way, if you guys want like twenty percent off, just go to their website exotac.com. Use my last name Estella. You'll get twenty percent off. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Next one from man of grit thoughts on G 10 knives for non-permissive environments. Okay. So non-permissive environment, let's define that. That's probably a place where you shouldn't be carrying a knife. And the problem that I have with G 10 knives is that they have weapon signature. They look like knives. And if you get spun up, you are probably going to get in trouble and you can't claim that you didn't know you had this tool that was designed to defeat magnetometers, right? So what I would say is there are other tools out there that have less weapon signature and lower, or I should say greater tool signature that accomplish the same thing if you're trying to accomplish puncturing, perforating, or perforating lacerating, right? So, uh, I get it. I mean, I've got buddies who make G10 knives and they're cool. Like I would recommend them for running. I would recommend them as a shower knife because this is freaking America. You could definitely have a shower knife and I do. Um, but I'm not one to recommend that you guys carry knives into places where you shouldn't have them. I will say that you might want to carry some tools into some places where you shouldn't have knives though. All right. Thoughts on keto, low carb and low sugar diet combined with intermittent fasting. This comes from actually a former student, uh, crazy uncle Dom. He works up at uh, white birch armory in New Hampshire. Good kid. Actually like more like a young man, actually a grown ass man right now. I actually had him and his uh, sister Jackie as students. Um, so Dom, here's the deal. Uh, I like the keto low carb diet. I know that if I want to drop weight fast, that's my go-to. And intermittent fasting definitely works. Um, one thing that can screw it up 
if you are doing intermittent fasting with say like bulletproof coffee where you're putting MCT oil or you're putting butter, are you really fasting at that point? Because you get that rush of, of calories. What I find works best is that 16 and eight schedule. So I usually stop eating around 7.30 at night. I don't start eating until about 11.30 or 12.30. Sometimes I'll stretch it later, but usually never earlier. Um, and uh, that works out fine for me. And I can, I can fluctuate between 200 and 220 pretty, pretty quickly, pretty easily, but I like to be around 205. So I love it. And I find that when I'm traveling, it actually works out because you can't stop and eat everywhere you want to go. Um, so I like that as a, as an option and, uh, I'd highly suggest it. Okay. Michael Bryan, favorite hunt I've done to this day. It probably is that uh, wild boar hunt, the warthog hunt in South Africa. That hunt was incredible. Um, I was there with Justin Chimino. I was there with Liam Hoffman and my professional hunter, uh, Russ Field. And he said, hey, we're going to go help out a farmer. There's warthogs on his property and they're destroying the property. So I grabbed my Robar Precision Hunter 300 Wind Mag. We're driving around on a, on a um, Toyota Hilux. And the stalkers over there, I mean, they could spot a needle in a haystack from a mile away. They're finding these, these warthogs. So the first hunt of the day, 230 yards, 280 yards, long distance shots. At another point, uh, running shot, right? At another point, head on shot where, you know, I shot off of safari sticks. Uh, another shot, I don't know who can claim this warthog kill, but Justin and I both shot it at the same time. <laughs> and when you examined where the two bullet holes were, they were almost touching. So uh, it's pretty, pretty damn awesome. That warthog got it bad. Um, I was shooting 200 grain Hornady ELDX precision hunter ammo. Justin was shooting Rustfield's uh, 308. And man, it, that thing took a hammer in. Um, we called it the ham slam. So it's probably that hunt. But then again, like we did another hunt over there. And I, I will always have a special place in my heart for South Africa where we we're hunting wildebeest, where we had to traverse a, a ridgeline, came up over the top of the ridgeline. Professional hunter called in the the wildebeest. Justin shot his because he was shooting suppressed. The one wildebeest ran when the other one dropped. When it came back, I took my shot on mine. Just an epic morning. And then the best part, the hunting dog named Raisin ripped out the the bunghole of uh, the mucus plug of the the wildebeest. And Liam, my uh, my buddy that runs Hoff and Blacksmithing, almost vomited. He's like, that is the grossest thing I've ever seen. Cause here's this dog running around with like this mucus plug from an animal's colon. And Russ was like, Oh yeah, they love it, mate. He's like, they, he's going to save that one for later. And then he ripped out the other one and he ate it on the spot. And I thought Liam was going to puke. So yeah, probably, probably South Africa. All right. Next question. Um, anonymous, what would be your advice for storm prep for your house, such as winter storm or hurricane? Uh, your house is probably going to be the best shelter, but you need to still address your survival needs. Have plenty of water, have plenty of warm blankets. Consider what alternate heating sources you have. And in the past, I've told people, if you have a fireplace, keep firewood handy. Not terribly difficult. Um, if you can safely boil water uh, on your stove, great, do that. Keep hot water bottles, another great heating source. Even emergency hand warmer packets, great heating source. You've got plenty of space in your house to store them up. Um, have the tools that can clean up your yard because you may have a tree come down. Obviously, check for wires and things like that. But 
your home is your best option. Um, I would not advise bugging out in a storm unless that storm is the potential to destroy your home, right? We're thinking, uh, I'm thinking Northeast hurricanes, but I'm not thinking say tornadoes, right? In that case, get to an emergency shelter. All right, let's see where we are. We are moving along here. Okay. Could you do a video uh, on the pocket survival packs from a few podcasts ago? This comes from T Merrill. Um, I actually do in webinar T Merrill called uh, survival kits and you guys can check that out. So yeah, I've got a whole seminar on that. You guys have to come to me. All right. Next one. Also from T Merrill. How do you wrap your paracord you throw in your pocket and or bag? Well, uh, you can do it a few different ways. Probably one of the easiest ways to do it is to make little figure eights around your thumb and pinky and then finish it off with a half hitch and a few, a few wraps and a, and a half hitch. And then what that'll allow you to do is deploy that cord where it's not going to get tangled. If you wrap it around the palm of your hand, then under your elbow, palm of your hand on your elbow, uh, or you just simply loop it around the palm of your hand over and over and over, it's going to coil. It's going to, to get screwed up. So uh, I would say little figure eights work way, way better. All right. What do you recommend for non-insulated winter hiking pants? This question comes from Nick underscore Gula, G-U-L-L-A. Um, I like Prometheus Design Works. I've been writing for that company for a long time and they send me pants all the time. So full disclosure, I wear free pants um, and they send me a lot of pants to the point where I'm like, dude, I don't even know how many pairs of pants I actually need, right? Like I've got them in every different size, shape, whatever. Um, but I like Prometheus Design Works. They're synthetic. Uh, they are wicking. If I can't wear Prometheus Design Works, 511 uh, has some great pants. I think it's called the Apex Pant. Again, super, super quick drying pant. If it's not insulated that you're worried about, go with that. You can always throw a uh, pair of Merino leggings on, like uh, insulated bottoms, and it will extend your your capability of being out in the, the great outdoors until you need to throw on another layer and then your shell layer. Okay. All right. Speaking of ExoTac, this one comes from Chris Jensen. Chris Jensen, by the way, good dude. Uh, we were at Blade Show last year. Uh, him, my girlfriend, my myself. Um, well, my girlfriend now. And uh, you know, the the funny thing is, Chris uh, was lighting fires inside at the at the bar. Which, what the hell? I mean, who does that? Chris Jensen does. Three everyday carry items to survive seventy two hours, and why must be carried on person? Well. Uh, no surprise, guys. I carry my Swiss Army knife every freaking single day. Um, and I've started to carry my Swiss Army knife in a leather slip pouch that I've made. Um, it's a single piece of leather, so it's super durable. Uh, rides very comfortably in my, my front pocket. And on that pouch, I've got <laughs> an ExoTac fire rod. So I have knife and fire right there. And I've run whole courses with just a Swiss army knife. And I've shown people like, you don't need to carry the coolest survival knife. You just need to have a good blade on you. And it's more about the user than it is the tool. Um, and then the other thing that I would need right there, Chris, is I would need some type of metal container. Um, now, if you told me, Hey, it's going to be winter, I'd say clothing and the Swiss army knife and the, the ferro rod, because I could always make a pine bark container. And I've done that on courses before. Um, but those are my usual three, right? Uh, knife, fire steel, metal container. All right, next question. And of course I got to put in my stupid phone password. All right, man of grit, favorite books on edible plants. Are there 
uh, guides to specific regions. Uh, Man of Grit, yes, there are. Peterson's Field Guide, we have it on the Fieldcraft Survival website. You can go and look online on Facebook and look up the different uh, edible plant groups that are always out there. In addition to the plant books, I'd suggest the app called Seek by iNaturalist. It will not only give you plants, it will give you animals, it will give you insects. Really, really cool app just to increase your awareness. Opimach one what nerdy stuff do you do outside of your profession? Okay, well, Opimach, um, I do a lot of nerdy stuff. Um, I enjoy cooking. I enjoy reading. Um, I enjoy, you know, going to antique stores, right? Because I'm a history guy. So that type of stuff. All right. Will underscore RR underscore. Do you think a 12 gauge pump serves as a good do it all defense slash shit hits the fan for money and legality? Well, if you listen to our president, all you got to do is put around through the door, maybe one in the air, you know, don't worry about threat discrimination. Don't worry about identifying your target, knowing your target and what's behind it. Right. Don't worry about that. Um, but more seriously, I would say the shotgun is incredibly underrated. Um, I love the shotgun. I've taken the six hour Academy, um, advanced defensive shotgun class, the two day tactical shotgun class with stretch tactical. Um, I've shot bunch of times with my buddy, Jerry Young, who's one of our field craft instructors who teaches shotgun. Shotgun is highly, highly underrated. And yeah, I mean, you can get a pump shotgun pretty much anywhere in the country. Um, it's not as sexy as a black rifle. It's not as sexy as, you know, a pistol, but it can take birds. It can drop big game. It can defend your home. You just need to know the limitations of the ammo that you're using. And you need to know how to quickly swap out that ammo with select slug drills, uh, emergency reloading drills, things like that. So I love the shotgun. Um, and I might be hinting at the possibility that there could be a very special shotgun specked out by someone who is Polish and Filipino that works for Fieldcraft. Yeah, that's a separate project. Talk about that another time. Jules Cuevas is low power variable optic too much optics for a lever action in 4570. Well, let's think about this. If it's a lever action with a super long barrel, I mean, most lever actions right now, we're probably talking 1895 Marlin. Um, it's probably like a 16 or an 18 inch barrel. So in that case, I'd probably say yes. Um, lever actions are open sight firearms, but my particular lever action, which is a 1895 that's been modified by Wild West guns, I've got a two and a half power scout scope on it. And I think it's super, super fast. Keep in mind that the 4570 was the original long range rifle of the frontier. And that round can be loaded to be quite potent at great distances. So I'd say um, in that case, low power is not the way to go if you're shooting long range. Um, but I mean, you do you, man. I mean, if you want to do low power, do low power. I just think it's a little bit bulky. All right. Next question. Actually, next two questions come from the mad Yeti. Uh, Yeti's a good dude. He comes to our, uh, um, overland experience events. Got a pretty cool vehicle and he's a uh, big fieldcraft supporter. Uh, how's the progress on the book? Well, uh, I'll tell you that the book, my second book, I finished writing it on October 15th, 2021. And it's taking a while. Uh, I wish it were quicker. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. 
Mad Yeti, second question. What is your favorite memory of the great outdoors? Could be fun or sentimental. Uh, Number one memory. I would say hiking with my dad at the Barnes Nature Center in Bristol, Connecticut. I still have the photo of that hike. I still have the photo of me standing at this little bridge. And I have the photo of my dad standing at that bridge. And recently I went back there and I have that same photo, but how many years later? 35, probably 36, 37 years later, however young I was. So it's easily hiking with my dad because he's really the one that started everything. Next question comes from Low Hanks. All right. Low Hanks. Thoughts on switchblade knives? Um, they're cool. I have a couple. I don't carry them. Uh, switchblade still requires you to compromise your grip when you're taking it out. I mean, you have to open your grip before you wrap your thumb around it in the hammer grip. So they're cool. There's some really good ones, Microtech and some of the Benchmades. Um, I just won't carry one. Why pump shotgun and not semi-auto? This comes from Birchbark Outdoors because pumps are very, very reliable. Semi-autos are gas guns that, I mean, you can, with the exception of a couple like Benelli and Beretta um, and maybe maybe Sega, um, you're going to run into difficulty if you're running one round, a different round, another round, right? Like birdshot, buckshot, slugs, birdshot, buckshot, buckshot, slugs, right? They're really meant for certain recoil impulses and they're not always as reliable. That pump, you can control the feed of that firearm. So I love the pump. All right. Favorite waterproofer for boots and canvas products? Um, Nix wax. Uh, I also like Obanoffs and I also like the tin cloth wax you get from Filson. What are your must-have TSA-approved carry-on only survival items? Uh, You can carry an emergency blanket. You can carry a tourniquet. You can carry uh, trauma shears. You can carry a flashlight. You can carry a lot of stuff. Just drop the blade. Um, You can carry a lighter. So hopefully that answers your question. That goes out to nosage109s. Next question, PH54956. Good field repair kit for clothing. Needle and thread. Uh, super glue, shoe goo, safety pins, and tenacious tape. That'll get you very, very far. Next question, Brian Chauvin. How do you go through your kits and re- uh, to replace expired meds, check batteries, etc.? Well, Brian, very simple. I've got a Google calendar and I set reminders. Um, for my pistol red dot, I've got a reminder after six months. Um, <laughs> I know that the pistol red dot's good for like how many thousands of hours, I'd rather have fresh batteries, right? Better weapon, better position as a concept. And it's really not that much more of a, um, of a investment to buy new batteries. So I get new batteries every six months for my, my tools. And what's better than batteries that are at 75% capacity or 50% or 80%. How about hundred percent capacity, right? Better weapon, better position. Okay. Rashtagram. Prepping newbie here. How do I keep emergency water from freezing my vehicle go bag? Um, well, Rashtagram, water is going to freeze. Uh, your vehicle is going to get cold. It's a giant, giant ice box. So what you need to do is you need to live with that cold and you need to take steps on a daily basis to address it. Not a bad idea to carry metal canteens and only fill them partially with full, like three quarters full because when that water freezes and the ice expands, it can rupture a metal canteen. Ask my good buddy, 
uh, Big John. <laughs> Unfortunately, that happened to us. Heavy Cover, but Heavy Cover is an awesome company. They sent him a brand new one. Um, the other thing is you can rotate water, bring it in at the end of the night, right? And then put it back in your vehicle every single day. You'll have to move a bag back and forth, but you will keep the water from freezing. You can also put it in boiling hot in the morning. You can put it in an insulated containers. Um, you can also carry a pocket rocket stove and you can heat up that metal container. Um, so you've got a lot of options to thaw out your water, but you're never going to stop it completely from freezing. Next question. Carabelle 10, good books you've read on the topic of American history. I'm just going to say one that I really, really love history of the world in six glasses. Uh, it covers the history of the world, which is where America is, right? It's in the world. Um, and it's kind of cool because it covers it through beer, coffee, beer, coffee, tea, American spirits, wine, and Coca-Cola. Definitely check that one out. Um, because even though it's a world book and they talk about the Assyrian empire and they talk about the Greeks, it also covers so much of the United States, including the cold war. So really, really cool book. I used to recommend it to my students. Um, tobacco road adventures. Hey, big man, what's your sign? Well, I'm on the cusp of being an Aries and a Taurus. Um, I'm sure someone could give me an exact answer. Um, but I was born on the day where one cuts off and the other one <laughs> starts off. Would 3030 with a low power variable optic and ghost ring sites be any good for shit hits a fan or will I be screwed? This comes from Jay-Z Lewis 05. Um, well, Jay-Z Lewis, I'll tell you that, uh, at one of the training academies that I frequent, there are officers from California that are attending with lever actions because they are being issued those since AR-15s are apparently scary. Um, 30-30 is a great round. It's an all-American round. And if you're like some of my French Canadian friends, it's not a 30-30, it's a turdy-turdy. Um, great, great close distance uh, deer hunting round. Eric Bricks. What else to have in car for crash besides tourniquet and extinguisher? I've gone at length about the different items, but one thing I don't always get to mention is be prepared to deal with that accident. Be prepared to deal with a legal case. Um, be prepared to take down the information about the accident, get witness statements, have your phone handy, have a battery pack in case your phone's almost dying. And now you need to record like, Hey, this is what happened. This is the person record your interaction with the other driver because they'll deny everything. So I'm going to go with that answer because I'm running my suck for a long time. I know that this is like an extended version of coffee and questions, but I also value your time guys. And I want to get through these. All right. Uh, bourbon or whiskey bourbon. Badger feet one. There you go. There's your answer. Bourbon prepared underscore podcast. Uh, what are your recommendations for every to carry? If you have to wear a suit, slim down everything, uh, carry a briefcase. Um, if you're wearing a suit, carrying a briefcase is different than carrying a backpack. It looks like it goes with your attire and how many briefs do you need to carry in your case? When I used to work at the high school, I carried a briefcase and I carried a pocket survival kit in there. I carried a tourniquet in there. Um, I had a couple other things in there. So definitely, definitely makes it easy. All right. Next question comes from Josiah Huddleston. I'm wondering when you guys will be bringing training classes to Minnesota or near. I would love to go to Minnesota. I've wanted to go to Minnesota for quite some time to train. If you guys are interested in training courses, you have to reach out to Sean at fieldcraftsurvival.com or Kevin at fieldcraftsurvival.com. Fieldcraft North Carolina is handling all of our scheduling for training, whether that's on the survival side or the tactical side. So please reach out to them. 
All right. AKJ Dubay, best tourniquet. My favorite tourniquet is the one I have on me. Um, you can read that as like a snarky comment, but the one I have on me is a soft T wide because I can carry that on a plane. It's aluminum and uh, it's super durable. All right. Next question comes from Chad Gibbs. This one actually came through Facebook. If you guys aren't following the Facebook site, it's uh, Prepped Life. So please check that out. And he says, Kevin, for a family day hike with a young kid, what would you put in your day pack? What would be your go-to day pack for that type of thing? So my go-to day pack would either be the Kafaru Shape Charge or the Kafaru Intero with a medium belt pouch. Those are my two favorite smaller day pack size bags. Um, and as far as you know, what I would bring for a young kid, a slingshot. Um, set up an impromptu shooting range. One of my fondest memories with my dad was throwing rocks at piles of rocks, shooting rocks at cans. Kids like to build and destroy, right? Um, little boys build and destroy, little girls build, and then they admire. That's proven in toy study groups. So if you wanna add something to your day pack when you're going on a hike with kids, think about that. Let them build something, bring a shovel, let them dig in the dirt, um, bring some cordage, build them you know, a, a cool little ladder, like have them fort build. That's my recommendation. Think of child psychology. It'll help you plan what they what they want to do. All right, Sparky.usn. Can I ask a really stupid question from a new hunter? When are when you are hunting stalking, do you keep one in the chamber with the safety on or chamber around before you shot? Uh, I could see the arguments for both and just trying to figure out what works best for me. Well, the answer is it will depend. If you are walking into the backcountry and you're not outside of the prohibited zone, say from a road that you're allowed to hunt, you better not have a round chambered. You better not have your gun loaded. Um, check your local laws. The other thing is you can have a round in the chamber with the bolt handle up, right? That will, on most firearms, prevent the firearm from discharging because it's not locked into battery. The other thing it'll allow you to do um, is safely carry that, that firearm, right? Um, another thing you can do is uh, you can have the firearm loaded, uh, you can have the bolt handle down and on safe, but I'd recommend that for stationary hunting. Like if you're up in a tree stand or in your, if you're in a hide, um, many times when I would hunt, I would keep my bolt. Uh, I I'm sorry. I would keep my chamber empty and the magazine loaded because I've spent plenty of rounds, or I should say plenty of reps, uh, on my couch, just watching television, working my bolt slowly, understanding when it's going to uh, reach the far back and how I can push it forward. When I shot my last buck in Connecticut before I came out to Utah, it was around like 17 or 18 yards and I didn't have a round chambered. I was able to load that round quietly. And then what almost gave me away was when I took the safety off. Um, and I'll tell you, you can load around quietly. It's not going to spook the animal and that's ultimately going to be the safest answer, but you are going to have to decide for you what works best. Okay. Next question comes from a underscore monk, M-O-N-K-K. When it comes to carry ammo, do you go with full metal jacket like Mike, or do you have another preference? Um, let me preface this by saying Mike, CIA contractor, Green Beret, military guy, me, civilian. Um, Mike overseas, rolling around in convoys, right? A lot of vehicle interdictions, things like that. Full metal jacket. We've seen it in our courses excels uh, against vehicles, right? Penetrates great. As a civilian, I'm not always near my car. I'm in a podcast studio right now. I'm not near a car. 
And the likelihood of me needing full metal jacket is not as likely as me needing uh, hollow points that are going to expand and not over penetrate. If I were to send a round through this door or through a person through the door and into the next door, I'd probably kill Ricky who's in the other room. I don't want to do that. So I'm grounding my decisions on what I carry. And I have three rounds that I love. I love Hornady, Critical Duty. I love Federal HST. I love Gold Dots. Um, those are my my go-tos. So I carry hollow points because I've done the logical decision-making to look at what are my most likely scenarios as opposed to what do other people carry? Again, no disrespect to Mike. He's done some amazing stuff for this country, um, but I'm not doing that same stuff. Therefore, my kit has to be different. All right. Um, oh, and by the way, in my car, yeah, I've got all the cool stuff that works way better than the pistol. Okay, here we go. OG George Frannick. This is one of my good buddies from Bristol, Connecticut. Please give him a, a follow. George Frannick Photography. Um, he's taken a bunch of photos for me for Sleeping Indian Wool. Um, he's been on hog hunts with me in Florida. George and I have gone up to the SIG Academy together. Solid, solid dude. Sergeant in the Bristol Police Force. Shout out all the Bristol cops and Bristol Fire. I can't forget you guys too. Brian Plourd, all my, my buddies from back home. Someone breaks into your house. Do you stop to put clothes on or address the threat while in minimal dot, dot, dot? Well, if I'm cooking and I'm completely naked, I'm not putting clothes on. I know you're probably thinking like someone breaks into your house at night, but yeah, I mean, is it weird that I want to cook butt naked? Maybe cook some bacon, you know, and let some grease splatter on me. Is that strange? The answer is no, I, I'm not going to put on any clothes. Um, I'm going to grab the tool closest to me. And that tool will work just fine whether I am clothed or I am butt naked. So <laughs> I know George is just screwing with me on that one. All right, next question. Uh, this one comes from Evelyn GDLC. What's the next step in your career traveling more or homesteading? Well, I'm always going to travel for field craft. I enjoy traveling. It's in my nature. My family is a family of travelers. My great grandfather traveled from Mallorca, Spain to the Philippines. My dad traveled from the Philippines to the United States. Um, I am constantly being uh, contacted by different production companies. So maybe I'll do something with Hollywood. Um, maybe I will do an international book tour. I have no idea, but I'm going to keep it open. But the ideal homesteading, yeah, I'd love to have some chicken someday. I'd love to, you know, definitely do something like that. All right. Next question, Mr. Luke English, how to be best prepared for a school shooting as an educator on a middle school campus? Well, Luke, uh, You've got the deck stacked against you, but it doesn't mean you're completely, completely helpless. I can't tell you exactly what to do, but I will tell you what I did as a history teacher when I worked in a school that was less than 30 minutes from Sandy Hook. I moved bookshelves directly in front of the door just to the side of it, right? Like, because we had a, a wall that had windows next to the door and I filled that bookshelf or I should say the file cabinet with as many nonsense books as possible. My reason being, I wanted a heavy, heavy object that could also serve to reduce the effectiveness of those rounds if they were sent through at an angle. Um, I knew it wouldn't stop the rounds perfectly, pistol rounds probably, rifle rounds not so much, but I still wanted to do something. I also put a line on the ground with red duct tape and I told my students, guys, in a lockdown drill, you have to be on the other side of that red line because if you're not, 
you are in the path of someone at an extreme angle on that door with a, with a pistol or a rifle. Another thing I did, um, I spoke to my buddy, Kenny Stretz. Kenny gave me a whole bunch of retired body armor from the NYPD. And I lined my closet door with it because I could open up my closet door and create a little bit of a shield with body armor. Um, another thing I did, I had a chain that was on the support beam that was on the side of the wall that went to the door handle. And I definitely, definitely repped it with my kids during our lockdown drills to pass that, um, to pass that chain around that heavy book, uh, filing cabinet down through the handle and then clipped to a point where the person couldn't reach it. Let's face it. The bottom line is you need to stop someone for about 30 seconds. That's the magic number. If you look at the stats, you need to stop someone for about 30 seconds at your door before they realize that their efforts to get in your room is fruitless or are fruitless and they're going to move on. Okay. So you can decide what you want to do. By the way, you're a middle school teacher. You probably have birthday parties. I'd highly suggest that you get a cake knife maybe one with a pink handle like I did from dogwood knives. Thank you, Dan. Um, and maybe you should keep that in your closet with a serving set and some plates and maybe it will blend in just an idea. All right. Um, all right, guys, we're coming to an end here, but I got a few more questions. <laughs> Jerry young, speak of the devil spoke about him earlier. He's my shotgun buddy. How many shooting classes have you taken? Oh boy, here we go. Guys, I'm known as a survival guy here at Fieldcraft. Um, I'm not one of the tactical instructors. I will tell you I'm no slouch though with shooting. I enjoy it. Um, more from the concept of like self-defense, more from the concept of hunting. But at SIG Academy, I've done 19. I've done all their pistol courses, uh, you know, the fundamentals, carbine fundamentals, shotgun, precision rifle, reach for a thousand, bullets on vehicles, uh, close quarter carbine, low light pistol, low light carbine, uh, cold weather carbine, SIG Academy, great place to train. Talk to my buddy Cav, bring him little Cadbury eggs. Trust me. Good, good guy. Um, outside of SIG Academy, SIOC tactical group guys, I'm a SIOC instructor. We have SIOC tactical group. We do uh, pistol warrior 1.0 taking that a couple times. Um, I've trained with Strats Tactical. I did Center Axis Relock when it was called IPD. Um, that was with Gary Belanger in Connecticut. Um, I've gone to Gunsight 250, guns, uh, Pistol 250, Rifle 270. Trained with Kyle DeFore of DeFore Performance Shooting. I've trained with Bill Rapier uh, of Amtac Shooting. I was actually a guest instructor at the um, Advanced Modern Minuteman, which, I mean, let's face it, Bill is doing some amazing stuff. Good dude. Uh, I've actually podcasted him here for Fieldcraft. You guys should listen to that podcast because he talks about what the average person should be able to do. So I've taken a whole bunch. I've spent a lot of money on my training and uh, you guys don't have to follow my lead, but I would just ask you this. What is your training worth? And if you say, well, I go to the range, range time is not training. Uh, range time is practice. Training is training. So get some training. All right. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, next one, last five questions, thoughts on waterproofing a ruck or pack for an extended trip. Do not waterproof the ruck. Think about putting water resistant barriers inside the ruck, garbage bags, pack liners, Ziploc bags, dry bags, whatever it may be. If you start waterproofing your ruck, you're going to make your ruck disgusting. Um, your ruck is already water resistant. And a lot of those 
wash-in additives don't really bond to nylon, so don't worry about waterproofing your ruck. Waterproof the contents inside. All right, uh, mimetic info science. Are jungle Asians superior or inferior to fancy Asians when it comes to survival? All right, I'm gonna paint all Asians with a broad brush because I'm part Asian. Asians are very, very versatile. Uh, Filipinos are the Swiss army knife of ethnicities. We can be anything we want, right? I've passed for Eskimo, I've passed for Native American, I've passed for Hispanic, I've passed for a lot of different things. Um, I'll say that those in the jungle have very few resources, so they're really good at improvising. Um, the ones in the city have really amazing stomachs because if you've ever watched a show like Bizarre Foods, you know that they eat some stuff that would make us kind of vomit. So I'll say yes. That's why I'm going to leave that answer. All right. What are some improvised? Uh, I'm sorry. What are some ways to improvise a container to boil water? This comes from uh, a knife maker, Bill Siegel. Bill, I don't have any of your knives. I definitely want one of your Jest Bolos. Um, we got to talk about that. Um, in past courses, I've hollowed out a pine log. I've also used pine bark to make a container. It's very simple. You start off with a rectangle, hold that rectangle sideways and connect the top left and the bottom left corner with a semicircle and connect the top right and the bottom right with a semicircle. S score those out. So now you have the ability to fold it in to create a bowl and you can hot rock boil very easily. You can also do uh, a birch bark container. Uh, just be very, very careful with birch bark. When it's uh, green, it's easy to work with. But over time, if you're trying to build a container out of birch bark, it's going to crack if you're using dead dead birch. Uh, even though the birch bark has a lot of oil and is preserved for quite some time, it's better to make a container out of a live tree. Um, just don't go all the way around the tree because that's called girdling or crowning, and that'll kill the tree. All right. Stupid password. I put it in incorrectly. Last couple of questions, guys. Here we go. Okay, Tony Macaroni, three. Uh, Tony's been on our 48-hour survival challenge. He has been on a bunch of our survival courses. What is your preferred blade grind on an all-around survival knife and why? Preferred blade grind is convex. Um, I could really geek out right now, guys, on different knife grinds, right? Hollow grind, Scandi grind, uh, flat grind, convex grind, chisel grind, blah, 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 right? Um, I'm gonna simply say this, convex. Um, my preferred field knife is the Gossman Polaris. That's my design. Scott started making it for me about a dozen years ago. Number one best-selling knife that he has for good reason. It works. Um, the convex grind for me is one of the easiest grinds to maintain in the field. I believe you need to know how to maintain your kit in the field or else you shouldn't be carrying it because if it breaks, then you're, you're stuck, right? Um, second favorite, Scandi. I'm a bushcrafter. I'm known to for being a bushcrafter, and there's some great bushcraft knives out there. Dave, Mech, uh, Dave Beck makes a great bushcraft knife. Uh, ben Orford from Craft Lab Knives, great bushcraft knife. A uh, lot of really good makers. Ed Martin, great Scandi knife. Um, so, but my preferred one is going to be the Convex. All right, guys. Final question. This one comes from Instagram user Estella Wild Ed. <laughs> Hold on, that's me, guys. Question number fifty. Question number 50. I told you at the onset of this podcast that this is going to be the last coffee and questions for a while as I interview live people and it's not just me talking in an empty room into a microphone. 
And this is a very, very important question. And it's one that I'm going to let you answer. It's actually a multi-part question. The question is very simple. What are you doing to improve your readiness? Readiness is a concept, right? SIOC readiness formula is what I write about in my first book, 101 Skills You Need to Survive in the Woods. You have to have awareness. You have to have preparedness. You have to have willingness. I know you guys are listening to this podcast. I know you're possibly taking notes. Maybe you're saving it for later. Maybe you're forwarding it on to your friends. It's awesome. You're improving your awareness. Maybe you are going out there and you're buying kit. Maybe you are listening to my suggestions and you're like, hey, this guy's onto something. He's not blowing smoke up my ass. He's got some good recommendations. Maybe you're going out and buying that kit. Good, right? Continue training. Willingness is the one that's the hardest, right? Willingness tests your level of commitment to a cause. And what I'm going to ask you is, are you, are you truly ready, right? Because you might have the gear, you might be aware of it. You might be able to articulate your thoughts. You might be able to teach someone, but are you truly living that readiness? Because there are a lot of you that are lacking in willingness or maybe lacking in preparedness. You're so damn close. What you should be doing is you should be seeking to be a better version of you every single day. So if you are not living that ready life, why not? Guys, in the course of doing coffee and survival kits, I've answered a couple, maybe 300 questions. Um, I've enjoyed doing this. I love answering your questions. I'll never stop doing that. That's my job here at Fieldcraft. I'm here to educate you. Um, I always say that I love educating, empowering, and equipping people. Um, this will come back. Start getting your questions ready. It may come back in the podcast form. It may be a YouTube video form. I've got a lot of ideas. I've got a lot of different ways I want to help you level up. Please, please continue training. Please continue doing things that would make us proud here at the company. Um, reach out to me with questions at any time. Hit me up at Estella at fieldcraftsrevival.com. Hit me up at Estella Wild Ed on Instagram. I will always answer your questions. Um, I've enjoyed doing these, but like I said, I want to bring on some guests that are really, really incredible and wait till you see who I've got lined up for this year. Guys, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoy helping you out. Um, and I hope you guys will share that passion with someone else. Keep that knowledge going. That makes me really proud. All right, folks. Till next time, this is Kevin Estella with the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.